Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Welcome back to episode two of my interview with property developer Jerome Roth. So we've took Jerome's interview and broke it down into three different episodes. If you listened last week, episode one was an introduction to Jerome and what he does in property. That's very different to what I do in property. So Jerome very much been a developer who takes property projects on, develops them and then sells them on and doesn't hold or even just gets planning gain and sells them on without even developing. While my whole strategy is the cash flow from rent to rents and that long-term holding of properties for ownership, for legacy income. So we spoke last week, as I said, about the differences between those. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking more about how we finance property projects, how I finance my rent to rents, right through to my long-term hold by refurbish rent refinance projects, and how Jerome finances his developments, and the sort of intricate differences between the types of finance we go for, and also what is very similar across each. So, hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you at the end. With finance and buy to let finance, how do you raise your money, all that stuff. Yeah, so that's really interesting because um, I mentioned earlier we're doing a, obviously you're doing land and i've just bought a cinema we're turning into 20 we're turning into 21 apartments seven offices and a gym looking at the numbers so it's in nottinghamshire north nottinghamshire in gross development value it sounds like 21 flats seven offices and a gym sounds like millions and millions and millions but actually with the in values you're looking at about a gross development value of three million now we if i did that alone i would have to borrow uh, this needs planning it's a cinema so you need full planning we bought it in September last year. So literally, we're now just over 12 months in. Traditional thinking would be, I could buy this, borrow the money off a bridging company or a bank that does bridging. So a private bridger or, or an institutional bridger, put down 40 odd percent upfront, which is the big problem most people have is, I can't do this, I don't have the 40%. Borrow the other 60% of the purchase price, borrow 100% of the development and pay 1% a month. Now, it's about, we're, look, we're raised 1.95 million, which I'll come back to in a moment. But if you imagine borrowing, let's call it 2 million quid. If I borrow 2 million quid to do the development, purchase it, do the development, we bought it pretty cheap, 322 grand, but that leaves 1.7 million to develop it out. If we borrowed that money at 1% a month, you'd get bridging for 12 months. I'd be 12 months in now, and I'd have had to pay the bridging back, and I haven't even got planning yet. The planning committee meeting is in October, okay. so and it's with the recommendation of approval, but I'd be month 13, I'd have had to pay back the bridging or extend the bridging, so I'd already be in for probably six figures of bridging costs, finance costs. By the time we end up for delivering the development, I'd have been around three to four hundred grand in finance costs, which would have meant if I want to hold them long term. Well, if I've built it for two million and it's cost me 400 grand on finance, I'm in for 2.4 million. In value, 3 million, 75% mortgage, 2.25 million. I got to find 150 grand shortfall, which means if I financed it with borrowed money and kept it all for myself, the irony is I'd have to sell it all to get out because there's 150 grand left in. So what I did instead was I raised the money from investors. So we've, we're in for fully cash. There's no bridging, there's no finance costs. We're 12 months in, I've not lost 100 grand on finance. We're saving 400 grand overall across the development on finance costs. 
when it's finished for three, three million GDV, if we go over our two million budget for, by a quarter of a million, so long as we get, and we've told the investors it's, there's a contingency, yeah. so if we come out at 2.25 million, we can keep them. So I've got an extra 250 grand in the budget, built cost budget, and the point is we can long-term hold them. So I'm not a huge believer in borrowing expensive money, especially when you don't know when you're gonna be able to pay it back. Uh, how do you, what's your thoughts on that also? And first, and how do you fund yours? Yeah, so um, I'll go into that and I'm gonna ask you what you offer an investor. Yeah. Okay, okay. because there are two different mechanisms right to offer an investor. Now an investor in what we do, because we're taking planning risk, has to understand they could lose it all. Yeah. You've already got a cinema, you've got an existing use value, worst case. Yeah. If you don't get planning, even though yeah. it's been recommended. We've not spent the money as well. Right. Yeah. So it's either give them equity in the deal, mm. or it's I'm giving them a fixed rate of return, an IRR, investors yeah. rate of return, annualized but payable upon exit, mm. not payable. So not yeah, rolled up like a bridge, but yeah. it's, there's no such thing as a, it's not gonna go into default and they're gonna triple the interest yeah. rate. And then there's a penalty for going into default. Mm. And then there's the early redemption if you wanna get out, none of that. Mm. So there's that two and ways. The, the 12 months in and you gotta rebridge it and so right, on. Right, yeah. because you're basically at the mercy of the planning system if that's how you're yeah. doing it. Mm. So it's, private money, right? So it's either the IRR or it's the equity in the deal. I prefer IRR mm. because we like to own all the shares in the vehicle. Right. The vehicle being the SPV, special purpose vehicle, which you set up specifically for what we do in the development world, which is gonna be different to what you do. Yeah. So what do you offer your investors? The complete opposite, here's why. Right. If I did the IRR method, I'm still in for, even though I don't have the risk of the bridge, I'm still in for the 2.4 million and now I gotta sell it to pay them back. But what I do, because I own the lettings business, we, we borrowed the money for a share of the business. So we set up a special purpose vehicle, separate limited company. We then sold shares in the business to raise the money. Because we knew we had to get full planning, and it would be at least 12 months. We didn't just look for, most people when they're looking to raise money, and this is why they struggle is, they're thinking about themselves only, and they're trying to raise money for their deal. I sold the business plan, and what we said to the investors was, we need 1.95 million. There's a contingency, it could go to 2.25, but we'll raise 1.95 now. We don't have planning, we need 322 grand for the purchase and we need money for planning costs. Planning costs are nearly at 100 grand between planning and architect designers. Many people don't realize the cost. Um, but then there's over a million and a half sitting there. We will use that money to do single at traditional buy, refurbish, rent, refinances. So while over the last 12 months we've gone out and bought other properties that are under refurbishment so that by the time we need the money to deliver the cinema conversion, that money is back in the bank account and we got cash flowing single lead assets. So we've sold them an overall plan. The other benefit of that is when we finish the cinema, those investors will be so happy that they've not just got a cinema, they've also got all these single leads, that they'll leave, the, because the money was for shares of the company, the aim is they leave the money in that company and then they do more assets. Now, I get a much smaller percentage of that building. However, we manage them through my lettings business so t traditional lettings management is 12%, 10% plus VAT, 
For all of our JV partners, we manage the property for 8%. So it's cheaper for them than traditional lettings. It's also more hands-on since an owner is looking after them like an owner would, or a part owner. But my share of the company is off the net profit. But our letting agents takes 8% off the gross income. So by the time I get 8% of gross income and share the profit, that is a significant cash flow for the rest of my life for the business. So a different model to what you do, but that's my thought process around why I go joint venture over um, private investor. So, so what you've said is, is clever. So they're investing in a, in a model. Yes, not in a building. So we've created a new model, which we've just finalised all the documents. And what that is, that's a, a raise, quite a substantial seven-figure raise, but not in one deal. When we go and raise money for this model, it's... So it's easier to raise more money. It's easier to raise five million than it is 50 grand. Yes, agree, 100%. And this is another thing that people don't mm. get, mm. okay? Now... Your dad or your granddad or your mate might have 50 grand in a post office savings account. But let me tell you what the problem is when you're borrowing from people like that. They'll be all over you every day mm. because those people can't afford to lose yeah. it. But they lend you the money, right? And three months later, they go, oh, I need it for this holiday. Okay. Yeah, but you gave it to me for 12 months. Yeah, but I need it. Right. And their lives are different to the people that we're going out to raise seven figures because what we're telling them is you're investing in a model mm. And your money could go into any of the 12 deals we're proposing in the company. Quite similar. Mm. And, but then for us, we're now looking at getting the fund regulated. Yeah. FCA, so Financial Conduct Authority, all the regulations around that. One of the issues with running a company today, we're going a bit off tangent, is the level of administration one has to. Um, adhere to uh, yeah. adhere to yeah. because that's the reality is getting harder to, to structure yeah. stuff right um, but no I think that's extremely interesting in the way that everything's cash flowing before yeah. on the planning we've just had a planning refusal on Monday so let's kind of tell people the reality now we buy fields mm. or cleared sites okay not existing buildings at least you've got a fallback. Yeah. So we've given a 20 grand non-refundable deposit to the landowner and paid five grand towards his legal room for 25. The planning costs are 104 up to today for 12 units in a high-end village, 45 minutes outside Colchester. Mm. Okay. And I knew we wouldn't get it. So what we've done is because we've bought it so well, per plot there's 12 it's a fixed price per plot yeah. and you can't go above 12 we've agreed that with the landowner otherwise we could keep on going back in yeah right yeah business has to be fair that's another thing that we if we've got time mm. to explore we'll go to appeal and we'll do another 50k we might be in for 200 it will be two years two and a half years but we will double our money on the original price we're paying the landowner per plot so it's longer term mm. we do sometimes hold 
a couple of units at the development, rent them out, refi, because at the point you've paid off your development fund at the bank, yeah. what's left is unencumbered. Yeah. So you got there's a lot of freedom yeah. with that. How are you finding like stuff like interest rates in this whole space? Yeah, so um, the great thing about private finance, what we pre-agreed with our investors, because it was September last year and it was already talk of rates are going up, we pre-agreed with the investors that on finance and out on the back end, so long as we can, not a base rate, so long as we can get a mortgage for 6% or less, and we stress tested it that that works, we finance out. If mortgage rates are higher than 6%, we leave the money in and cash flow it until mortgages come down below 6%, because they've got the money in anyway, and if we get their money out and put it in their bank, they're just gonna wanna put their money back in another property because of inflation. So the thing a lot of people don't realize with investors, in my mind, is they're like, why would somebody invest in me? Well, the person with the money, they've already decided to lend their money. They're tr they've got a bigger problem than you if you've got no money. They're trying to get their money out of the bank and hedged against inflation. And what we're doing all the time is trying to refurbish and refinance the house and give the money back to them. And they're like, whoa, whoa I don't want it back. I want it in a deal. So, so long as the rates are lower than six, if interest rates are higher than 6%, they'd rather leave the money in the property and get a better bank rate beaten return. And if rates are lower than 6%, they'll refinance it out, but then want to put it straight back into the next deal. So we have that model that we're selling them rather than just the deal that we're selling them. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, so it's become easier to raise money because of inflation. Yes. You've just hit the nail on the head. So people without the necessary mentality and or education will think, oh, that the country is in a tough period. There's inflation, there's costs, the interest rates are going up. How can I raise private money? But actually, you've just hit the nail on the head. Their money's losing money every day in a bank because mm. when you look at these high yielding interest rate accounts, which are suitable for 25 year olds, mm. like Yorkshire Building Society released one last week, 6%, you can put 150 quid a month into it, but it's a one year bond. Yeah. That's what they are. So what do you do? Go out and open 10 of them in like all your family members' names. It's too much hard work. Yeah. It's easier to raise money when it's a bit tougher because those people need to make their money work. Exactly. This is yeah. a, a very a common misconception. Otherwise, you're chasing the cycle. I spoke to a, uh, someone yesterday, quite experienced, who's trying to refinance stuff in London. And she was telling me about the fees five seven percent yeah so nuts. i'm not in that space yeah. so the rate sub six still but the fees are seven yeah i, I don't uh, that really shocked me yesterday yeah. Yeah. no it's huge yeah it's nuts i actually literally had a, a message to one of my business partners this week i gotta show you because we had this exact message they sent me a message saying oh rates are so low and Literally yesterday, I said the five-year fixed with a 7% fee is really 6.82%. Yep, that's the rate. It's just under 7%. So if they sell it as 5.42. No, it's 6.8 when you add all the fees in. And then if you're stress testing it to 6, 6.5%, you're losing money. So that's episode two of my interview with Jerome Roth, where I talk about finance and how we fund deals differently, whether it be developments or buy, refurbish, rent, refinance projects. Make sure you join us next week for episode three, where we will be discussing how 
Um, the changes in the government legislation are affecting the marketplace at the moment around bridging finance, around development finance. And if now is a good time to be involved in property or not, whether it be in developments or in the long term by refurbish, rent, refinance, hold. So I'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed the first two episodes so far. One more to go.